This is Tani Talks Radio, the shear where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience and members to keep, especially as the mission against our enemies has intensified in recent days here in the end of fall 2023. We have in mind that the shear should be in the merit for the safe and healthy return of all the captives. We're so happy many of them came home, but not nearly enough of all of them. They should all come home happy, healthy, and safe speedily, and for the refuah of all the injured and all the sick, for the safety, protection, and success of all the soldiers and all of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, we should only know from Yeshua, Nechama, and Hatzlacha for everyone. You can listen to us at any time here on the Tani Talks Radio. You can listen to previous episodes and you can listen on all podcast forums. And of course, Hanukkah is just a few days away. The palpitation of the excitement is in the air. I tell my kids, I tell everybody, it's literally my favorite holiday of all time of all year. So of course, the only holiday that I actually get decorations twice, the first ones, they all blew away. So we put up second ones, the kids and I, on the front window and the front Screen door, we found the dig cows that actually stay nicely. Because of Hanukkah, there are many holidays that we have in the Jewish religion, but the only one that I like to decorate for is the only one that I love. But when it comes to Hanukkah, there's an interesting element that we could talk about, and it's interesting that we see it nowadays as well with how we have to stand strong and stand tall to defend our Jewish land, to defend our Jewish people. We have to be stubborn and persistent in showing people that we have the right way, the moral way, the conscious way, which is such a lack in society at large, in the world at large. It's it's mind-boggling and, and very stomach-churning to see people's views and people's actions, especially these days. What is one trait about us that people can say that may be seen as positive or negative? Has anyone ever been called stubborn, stuck, or set in your ways? I know I myself have had heard such terms many times over the years. The thing with different traits, though, is that they can all be used for good or for bad. For example, someone who is stubborn can also be called persistent, which can be a very good thing and used to accomplish wonderful things. The dictionary defines upturn. The upturn of being stubborn is a wonderful thing to turn up or over an improvement or a change to a higher level of value of something, a trait. The idea being to take a trait that may be seen as negative like that of stubborn and turn it and use it toward the positive and for the good. In fact, stubbornness is a trait that can be used for very great, very powerful things. Look at the definition of stubbornness, and we could also see the definition of persistence and perseverance. The dictionary defines stubbornness, or one who is stubborn, as the state or character of being inflexible or stubborn, obstinate, persistence, obdurance, obduracy, or refractoriness, resolute adherence to your own ideas or desires. In addition, it could be seen as the quality of being determined to do what you want and refusing to do anything else, and refusing to change one's mind or course of action even with pressure to do so unyielding or resolute the dictionary defines persistence as continuance of an effect after the cause is removed persistence in the act of continuing an activity without interruption as well as refusing to give up or let go insistently repetitive or continuous exciting or remaining in the same state for an indefinitely long time enduring and perseverance 
Perseverance can be seen itself as the act or habit of persevering, persistence in anything undertaken, continued pursuit or prosecution of any business or enterprise begun, steady persistency in any state or course of action applied alike to good and evil, as well as steady persistence in adhering to a course of action, a belief or a purpose, steadfastness. And it could also be seen as continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Think of in your own life what needs stubbornness or persistence. If there's anything you can keep up or you need to keep up or you need to do consistently on a continual basis, that is something that needs the trait of persistence and stubbornness. For myself, like many other podcasters, we have to consistently live up to the idea of the show, whether it's daily or weekly, depending on the setup. For those who write a column or post a video or contribute to any website or magazine or the like, the deadlines and schedules must be stubbornly adhered to. For those who do daf yomi, it needs persistence and stubbornness to keep up every single day. For nach yomi or halach yomi, it's every day. Persistence and perseverance. For those who do shtaymaker and the parsha, it's every week. The week is the deadline. Even keeping with our home and work schedules, working every day, as well as maintaining the home, the chores and duties, and continuing our schedules for ourselves and our kids inside and outside our homes, needs the ability to keep up and be stubborn and staying up to task with what we need to do. As we're about to be in Hanukkah, I find it interesting how stubbornness really relates and connects to Hanukkah. So let's talk about it. I don't need an excuse to talk about Hanukkah. I could talk about Hanukkah all day. It's the best holiday of the year. I literally love it. Every element of it. The aspect of lighting the candles. We bring out the guitar. We play guitar after lighting the candles as well. Some music is involved, giving the presents, dancing, singing, playing games like the dreidel, and eating oily foods. All around, I think it's an awesome holiday. No negatives. Lasting eight nights, eight days, eight nights. How amazing. Eight times as long as the non-Jewish one. I believe it is totally underrepresented, underappreciated, and underrated, as well as under showcase. You know, people say, oh man, Hanukkah's coming. Like two days beforehand. Wow, it just showed up upon us. People fret and bug out about Pesach for like months. But people like happen to just show up to Hanukkah like a day before. Come on. It should be the opposite. All right, so Pesach is coming. So a couple of weeks, two or three weeks beforehand, you, you do a little bit every day. You get used to it. Get ready. Hanukkah, you should amp up your excitement for weeks, months until it comes to you. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you want an idea, by the way, we, we figured out a few years ago, instead of getting presents every night, I started to find, we started to find arts and crafts and games each night. So it's kind of more functional and it gives more of something to do every night and something to be involved with. And the kids, of course, from an OT perspective, myself, getting them to have fine motor aspects and sensory aspects instead of just getting get toys that get broken, wasted, thrown away, or not used the week after when they get bored of it. So there's another idea as well that you could be involved. Of course, it's fun. The other year, we actually decorate all the presents and wrap the presents, but then the kids see them and like they understand them, so now I just hide it in a box. <laughs> if we think about the focus of the holiday, the menorah and the, hand, and the candles, and we see the essence of the Jewish nation, the Jewish land also, an essence can come to light, pun intended. The candle and the candles that we light is really a light to the darkness around us. You think about the land of Israel itself. It's surrounded by 23 countries that do not like us. They might have done Abrahamic Accord treaties, but deep down, deep down, I believe, you know, they're not really the biggest fans. There's 23 people around us, and there's such darkness in that area, such, you know, dictatorship and cruelship and evil and horror and barbarism, barbarism, barbaric 
deeds in terror. One beacon of light, one candle in the region is the nation of Israel, is the land of Israel. That is the candle that can banish the darkness. Look about how the, the Jewish people, we always say, Am Yisrael Chai, such a persistent stubborn nation that Baruch Hashem, Hashem is allowed to last throughout all the ages, through the Greeks, through the Persians, through the Romans, through the Inquisitions, not going in the historical order, through the pogroms, through the Holocaust, and through the October 7th massacre, which never know from such things, the persistence of the Jewish nation is alive and well. And look at the reaction of our people. People expected us to like lay down and just, you know, give up. That wasn't the response. The The army went to task, went to war, and the Jewish people spiritually came alive and came together, persistently, stubbornly showing, no, you're not going to knock us down. Our response is light. Our response is to be a candle, a light, a, a refreshing elements to the world around us. Even with all the hate, even with all the mind-boggling, stomach-churning aspects and things we see on the college campuses and beyond literally just the other day just today on the brooklyn bridge people having crazy demonstrations literally in the middle of new york crazy we have to be stubborn we have to be the light we have to be the ones that could banish the darkness one of my favorite phrases one candle can banish the darkness if you've ever been to yad vashem in israel in the, the holocaust museum in israel there's a very very famous room where there is one candle that's reflected millions of times. It's a dark room. It has, I believe it's dark. It has many, many, many mirrors. And they do the mirrors in such a way that it refracts that one candle six million times because it's dark, but you put the candle and the one candle can banish the darkness. It reminds me of the story we talk about often. On many shirim when Rabbi Akiva goes into the, into the woods and he's all alone and all he has is one candle. But the darkness of the woods is so dark, but then he lights that one candle before it blows out to save his life later on. And that one candle could banish the darkness. So to in our lives, one neshama, one soul, one act, one deed can banish the darkness. In the dark, cold war we live, world we live in, and we're in a difficult war, obviously, now also, in the dark, cold, dreary days of winter, when the days are so short, literally at 4.10, 4.15, in December, the days become dark, 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 when the days are so short and so dark, and it seems like hope can be lost, the candles remind us, the Hanukkah candles come to be a light to us. Reminding us, the nation, the land, and ourselves to be persistent and stubborn in hope that we could bring light to the world and have light in our lives and have light around us, making the world better and brighter, even when all around us seems so dark, so depressing. The lights shine bright, bringing us serenity and peace. The lights also remind us of the burning candles in our hearts and in our neshamas. The Pasuk says, Ki ner mitzvah. The Torah or the mitzvahs are our candles, and the Torah is our light, and a light to the nations. As the Pasuk says also, Pasuk I say every day, Ner Hashem Adam Kol Chad The candle of Hashem is within us and protecting us from all of us around us persistently every day. The lights on Hanukkah also reminds us that the world can be good. You know, uh, um, there's a phrase, humanity, the the humanity of the world has been reignited when we see, I forget what it's, what it's called, but when we see good deeds, good acts, we think that there is possibility for good, there is possibility for wonderfulness. When seen through the prism of Torah and mitzvahs especially, we could see that the world can be good. The lights remind us 
to stubbornly follow the passion to do what we love to do through the framework of the Torah to hopefully make the world a better place. The flames burning remind us that the Torah should be burning always in our hearts, always in our lives, stubbornly, every single day. We should also reflect upon the stubborn fight for the good of the Chashmonaim commemorated in the Alanisim prayer, Tefillah we say in Shemona Esrei and benching on Hanukkah. The translation comes from Chabad.org. If we think, if we just sit down and think for a few seconds what we say for those eight days, a lot of us just mumble through it and speed through it and, and skim through it. Think about the words, beautifully written. All the tefillahs are beautifully written. Anshik and Asagdal, of course, compiled them. But there was thought, deep thought, that went into all the tefillahs, all the prayers. And listen to what we say. We thank you for the miracles, talking to Hashem, for the redemption, for the mighty deeds, for the saving acts, and for the wonders which you have wrought for our ancestors in those days at this time. In the days of Matisio, the son of Yochanan, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, the Hashmanam, and his sons, when the wicked Hellenic government rose up against your people, Israel, to make them forget your Torah, God forbid, and violate the decrees of your will, God forbid. But you and your abounding mercies stood by them in their time of their distress. You waged their battles, defended their rights, avenged their wrong done to them. You delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, the impure into the hands of the pure, <laughs> the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and the wanton sinners into the hands of those who occupy themselves with your Torah. You made a great and holy name for yourself in your world and effected a great deliverance and redemption for your people Israel to this very day. Then your children entered the shrine of your house, cleansed your temple, purified your sanctuary, kindled lights in your holy courtyards, and instituted these days, eight days of Hanukkah, to give thanks and praise to your great name. What a beautiful synopsis, by the way. If you ever need to explain to anyone what the Festival of Lights is and what this holiday really is all about, just show them this paragraph. It's like a beautiful synopsis that literally explains what happens with the war and with the oil that was found. I give it a, an even more succinct explanation, explaining back in the day when we had the temple and they found they were fighting against the evil Greeks, and then they found this little flask of oil, and now we... The hardest thing for me to really explain, actually, is the gifts <laughs> that we do for the children, but I explained that the food is all oily, and even the dreidel was able to be explained better, but the gifts are a little harder. But the, the paragraph really succinctly explains to us what we should think think about and what we should move through our days as well. Hashem was with us then as He's with us now. Hashem was with us in the fight in our history the whole way through. These fighters were stubborn and perseverated to the end of the story. Hashem is also with us now within our own fights and our own lives every single day as well. Literally today on one of my favorite WhatsApp groups, Israel Good News Only, you should really join it, it's amazing, what I saw was mind-boggling, very, very, very eerie. People went together in Canada in early December here, 2023. They went to you know, rally for the people of Israel, for the Jewish state, and for the Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. Beautiful, beautiful gathering, lots of Israeli flags, lots of music, and coming together and chanting, even someone blew the show. For one picture that comes out, a couple of pictures that comes out, is that it starts snowing in Canada at this time of year. And what's peculiar is the shape of the snowflake. Literally, I look at the picture, and I get this, like, 
tingling sensation on the skin prickly my hair standing up a little bit and i see that the shape and everyone pointed this out it's not me that saw this the shape of the flakes the snowflakes that fell on all the people having a rally in this time of year was literally a mug and david it was literally the six-pointed star very famous very very common to the jewish people it was eerie to see as the rallying for the jewish people as the offensive began again to eradicate the evil and the barbaric people and the terror in Israel. And as Hanukkah is coming to us, we get like this little knock on the door, metaphorical, we get like this tap on the shoulder that Hashem is saying, see, I'm with you, I'll take care of you, I'm looking out for you, look, I make a snowflake, a snowflake, every snowflake is unique, they say every snowflake has a different shape, usually it's like a circle with points, but here you got to go look it up. I can't show you the picture on the podcast, but you got to look it up. It's amazing. They show literally on the Israeli fag on people's coats. They took zoomed-in pictures. It was literally the shape of the Magen David. A lot of people say that the rumor is that when David and Melch had his army, and maybe the Chashmonim too, when they were fighting, the shape of their shields was a six-pointed star, just like the actual Magen David. That's like folklore of where it comes from. The Magen David is such a Jewish powerful symbol that it's literally the symbol of the Israeli flag and seen throughout Israel and throughout the world. But Hashem is with us. Hashem was with us then. Hashem is with us now. Hashem should always be with us, and we should always be Matzliach every single day. So the Gemara explains in Shabbos 21b, My Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? The rabbis explain. What is Hanukkah? Why the lights come on Hanukkah? The sages taught Megillus Tanis on the 25th of Kislev, the days of Hanukkah, eight, one may not eulogize on them, and one may not fast on them. Interestingly, they don't talk about the war. In the Gemara, they talk about the oil. When they come into the Heichel, these terrible Greeks, they enter the sanctuary, they defiled all the oils, they impurified all the oils that were in the sanctuary by touching them, just by touching them. When the Chashmonai monarchy overcame them and emerged victorious over them, they searched the whole temple. And obviously they did repairs to it, they re- reinvigorated it, and they rededicated it. They searched and found only one cruise of oil, one little pach shaman, a tiny, tiny cruise of oil, by the way. You should know a very fascinating, eerie picture also that I saw this week was a tiny pach shaman mezuzah that was found in Gaza in a demolished Jewish home. Also eerie, as Hanukkah is about to be upon us. Another beautiful knock on the door, tap on the shoulder from Hashem. So they searched and found only one cruise of oil that was placed with the seal of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, undisturbed by the Greeks. Undisturbed by the Greeks. It was such a small jug of oil. If anyone lights the candles and lights oil, you know how much you need for the whole holiday in the olden days when I was a little, little kid. We had this huge flask of oil now. No, thank you. Some people do the gels. I didn't want the gels. We got the oil ones because I think they light better. They burn brighter. They burn longer. You need a, an X amount for one night, but you need it eight times as much for all eight nights. So they only had a little jar to last for that one night. Nasabonais. Hashem made a miracle, which might seem like a tiny miracle, but it was a beautiful thing. A miracle occurred and they lit the candelabrum from it for eight days. The next year the sages instituted those days and made them hallowed with recitation of hallow and special thanksgiving and prayers and blessings. 
So we see the great miracle that occurs in Hanukkah with the persistence of the Hashemarim looking and searching for the oil, searching, searching high and low, only found finding one small oil that was only supposed to last a day, but ended up being, of course, enough for eight days. The Rambam also points out in the Mishnah Torah in the Hilchos Megillah of Hanukkah, chapter 3, a little bit of an ex, of an explanation of the, the general succinct idea of the holiday. During the period of the Second Temple, when the Greek kings were in power, they proclaimed decrees against the Jewish people. This is not always taught right away, but deep deeper we find that it was even worse than what we thought. They abrogated their religion. They forbidden them to study the Torah. They didn't let them do divine precepts. They laid their hands on their wealth and their and the people that entered the temple, they broke through it. They defiled things that were pure, not just the oil. The people of Israel were sorely distressed by their enemies who oppressed them ruthlessly until the gods of the God of our fathers took pity, saved and rescued them from the hands of the tyrants. They took away Rosh Chodesh, they took away Shabbos, they took away Brismilam. Terrible, terrible things. The Hashemarim great priests won victories, defeating the Syrian Greeks and saving Israel from their power. They set up a king from among the priests, and Israel's kingdom was restored for a period of more than two centuries, more than 200 years, until the destruction of the Second Temple. When on the 25th of Kislev, the Jews had emerged victorious over their foes and destroyed them, they re-entered the temple when they found only one jar of pure oil, enough to last for one day. Yet they used it for lighting the required set of lamps for eight days until they managed to press olives and produce pure oil. Because of this, the sages of the generation ruled that eight days beginning with the 25th of Kislev should be observed as days of rejoicing and praising Hashem. Lamps are lit in the evening over the doors of the homes on each of the night eight nights. So as to display the miracle, these days are called Hanukkah. When it's forbidden to lament or to fast, just as it is on the days of Purim, lighting the lamps during the eight days of Hanukkah is a religious duty imposed by the sages like the reading of the Miguel and Purim. So Hanukkah teaches us about the idea of persistence and stubbornness, as well as a time of miracles. The commentators explain the Maccabees were only 300 people fighting thousands, and it has been pointed out as well that the war lasted three years, Aish points out. I forget where I learned it, but the Greeks wanted to get rid of the spirituality of the Jew, banning the three major mitzvahs, Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Bersmiel. You get rid of Rosh Chodesh, you think they're only focusing on minutia, but Rosh Chodesh literally sets the calendar. You get rid of Rosh Chodesh, you can't have any holiday because you don't have a calendar. You don't know when the new moon is, when it's the next month. The whole year is abrogated. You don't know what day, what part of the month, what time of the month, what time of the year. Brismila obviously getting rid of the fundamental laws to Judaism. Without Rosh Chodesh, there's no Jewish calendar holidays. Without Shabbos, the fundamental basis of Hashem controlling everything is doubted. God forbid, without Brismila, the trade of a Jewish male, the foundation of being a Jew is gone. The Greeks wanted to destroy us spiritually, but those courageous few stood up physically to take them out and rededicated the temple in a physical and spiritual view and way. H points out that while the ancient Greeks enlightened the world with art, philosophy, and science, they limited the human condition to the physical and intellectual realms. The spiritual component, indispensable to the Jewish worldview, was not part of the Greek worldview. Thus, our tradition associates the Greeks with forces of darkness. While we fight with light, symbolized by the candles, the holiday of Hanukkah established to commemorate the Jewish battle against cultural assimilation has great relevance today. As we have been confronting a struggle for Jewish survival, how apropos to the times of today, literally today. Indeed, the emphasis on external appearance is a prominent theme in modern society. Over the, century, over the centuries, the message of how Hanukkah has unexpectedly ignited the Jewish spark. We fight using light, trying to inspire, ignite, and light those around us with meaning, purpose, spirituality, and fulfillment. 
through Torah, mitzvahs, and chesed. We do so stubbornly throughout the centuries, throughout the years, throughout history, throughout our lives, and currently, while we're all present in this world, now every single day. Yael Zoldan points out on H.com, in relation to Hanukkah and its decorations, the element of the holiday, like the menorah, the whole scene isn't very big. Although there are a few houses here and there, I remember reading an article, I think we might mention it, about a guy in Texas whose exhibit of Hanukkah is even greater than those of the non-Jewish exhibits. In general, usually the whole scene isn't very big. You have to look for it to know that it is there. And who will look for it? The season outside us is so very big, so exaggerated, and all encompassing. We were just driving earlier, and I pointed out to my wife, why is that tree the other night, that tree like seven times the size of the menorah? It's very nice that the society puts out a menorah and a Kwanzaa thing and a and the and the tree, but why is the tree like seven times the size of the menorah? They should all be the same, right? We always talk about equity, equality, and all things being equal, but yet, somehow, some things are not equal. Maybe the menorah and the tree should be the same size, don't you think? Why are they trying to overshadow one over the other? Not for now. Their holiday has music and peppermints and men standing outside of stores ringing bells. They have emails and catalogs and matching striped pajamas, and we have these small silver lights, there are some people, I will say, who have grandiose, beautiful things. There is someone in our town who builds a menorah and a dreidel this year out of, like, Coca-Cola cartons. It must have took them a very long time, but it was huge and wonderful and beautiful. My brother makes a huge menorah every year. Other people make a huge menorah. Many people have many big exhibits and wonderfulness, but that's not the norm. Usually, it's just these small silver lights. We wonder how our holiday has been made seem to seem small, insignificant, a, mom- a momentary aside in the glitzy false cheer of this advertising extravaganza. How have we been sidelined in our own homes doesn't really make any sense. However, isn't that in fact what the story was all about? There were many and we were few. They were many and we were few. Their culture was appealing and inviting to many. It desired to swallow up the small remnant of Judaism, to make them all part of a large whole the same as everyone else. That small band of Jews, those stubborn Maccabees, refused. Faced with a life of hardship, hiding, and privation, they insisted, we don't want what you have. We would rather live in caves, in battle, on the run. We'd rather play dreidel, a game we made up, in the cave, rather than accept the sameness you offer us. We want only to be what we are. What we have always been, separate, different, other. They were proving with action their passion to believe that God would not let them fail. With God on their side, the Maccabees knew that the few could overcome the many, the weak could overpower the strong. And so because of their faith, the Jewish people survived. Our culture, our pride, our stubbornness all survived. And all these years later, we, their descendants, find the faith to defy our surroundings. Not for us, the glitzy cheer of tinsel. Not for us, the big red man. Our menorahs are small but beautiful. Our tiny flames light up the darkness of this long, lonely night. We think of our insistence of maintaining customs that must seem antiquated to those outside our way of life. Our way of dress, the Jewish names we give our children, must seem very unusual. Our careful Shabbos observance, we think of our refusal to be assimilated. Our insistence on maintaining the purity of our line, our pride at our differentness. Maybe our tiny lights might be a signpost to someone who has lost his way in the darkness of this exile, who needs to know where home is. These lights are like us, small but pure. You have to look for them, but you may find that they are looking for you too. The small persistent lights can light up our lives and our souls. We just have to look for them 
and find them. Listen to this story from Mina Gordon on Chabad.org. One frosty morning in December, the children from Joshi's 10-year-old public school class were led to a bus and dropped off with their teachers in the busy downtown area of their city. The children looked in wonder at the crowds of shoppers passing by, the long lines of honking cars, impatiently waiting, impatiently waiting for pedestrians to finish crossing, and the tall, tall buildings blocking the winter sun after making sure that every child was accounted for the teachers led their group down the street the goal was to show the children the holiday season's displays in the intricately decorated shop windows they wanted to show them around what was going on they wanted to show them the aspects of the culture of all the setups and the signs and the displays as most of the children ooed and odd, Joshi remained silent. He stood on the periphery, somehow knowing instinctively, instinctively that he would not find anything familiar in those tinsel-framed windows. The little group continued on their way, most of the children chattering excitedly. A teacher noticed that Joshi was uncharacteristically quiet and fell in step with him. Joshi, don't you like seeing the holiday decorations? Holiday? He repeated, looking confused. After a moment, he shook his head. No, not looking like my holiday. The teacher had no answer to give and walked silently alongside Joshi, his heart going out to this little boy. The group turned a corner and found themselves at the edge of a large plaza. All eyes were drawn to the enormous fir tree. Again, why is the tree so much larger than everything else? Drawn to the enormous fir tree decorated with hundreds of yards of shiny tinsel. All eyes, that is, except one pair. Little Joshi was looking a bit further to the right at the giant menorah, which still was paling in comparison to the huge, humongous tree. A smile lit up his face as he pointed to the familiar object and cried out, That's mine! When Joshi's father heard what happened on the excursion, he found a deep message in his son's words. He said, Today, there are many Jews who are religiously challenged and don't know much about their heritage, but when they see the public menorah, something within lights up with Jewish pride and they feel it, knowing that's mine. We should realize the flames are ours. The Torah is ours. The ability to be persistent in our learning and influence throughout the Torah is ours. The Hashmonaim, these brave people, weren't officially soldiers, but they had the stubbornness to stand up for what's right and stand up to the enemy. They would not allow Judaism to be trampled on. They also had the persistence to search high and low in the whole temple, in the whole mikdash, for the olive oil to light, to find that olive oil, to use it, and to make sure it's lit. Only finding a tiny pitcher that would maybe last a night, but ended up lasting the eight nights. Hanukkah, this teaches us not only about stubbornness, and refusing to give up, but also about light and the zest for Torah to have the candle of Torah and the flames and the passion to do mitzvahs in our hearts. Stubbornness can be a wonderful trait if used for good to pursue Torah, to pursue mitzvahs, if we cultivate it 
and use it in the right way we could change the whole world for the better using the medium in the right direction there are many as aspects of elements of stubbornness throughout the generations but stubbornness is a trait that can be used for good or bad but we should make sure to use it for good to make sure to use it only for good we want to make sure that we can take such a trait and put it in a positive aspect to put it in a positive direction to put it in an aspect that they could do wonders for the world to light up the world to move the aspects of all of us in the right direction it's a trait think about how to use it for good think about how some use it for bad you should be the one to use stubbornness persistence perseverance only for good through Torah, through mitzvahs, and through chesed. Quiet, dignified perseverance without fanfare really is the best way to go. It acquires real success and real influence. The best type of tzedakah, besides for setting someone up with a job or a loan or setting him up you know, to be self-sufficient, is really to be anonymous both ways. Teach a man to fish. Give a man a fish and he could eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he could eat for a lifetime. That's really the highest, highest level. But the second highest is quiet, dignified, no fanfare, anonymous. He doesn't know who got the, the money. You don't know who you gave the money to. That's really the best. That's the real success, the real influence to make sure to give out to the world. Persistence with the use of Torah and mitzvahs is the best way to accomplish, accomplish great things in this world. Perseverance is a noble trait that, it that can accomplish great things when used in the right ways and for the right reasons. You've got to use it in the right ways and for the right reasons, of course, to be able to really accomplish in this world. Use diligence in intellectual manners. Don't use it or waste it on trivialities or materialism. Don't to be in a obsessive, persistent vase hoarder. Persistence is good, but not wasting it on Narishkeim. Diligence is one of the founding stand stepping stones that leads to holiness when used in the correct way. If you push yourself on the path of Torah and mitzvahs to do more persistently each day, Hashem will help you and lead you along the way. Hashem will lead you, Hashem will help you, Hashem will get you along the way. I think of, I've been mentioning the past few shiurim, this wonderful, wonderful role model, this hero I'd love to meet one day, who came out of this whole situation after October 7th, this rabbi, who actually wrote one of the perushim, one of the farm that my wife uses her to hell him, this Rabbi Shai Groucher, who started this beautiful Yachan and Atzeach. Somehow he must have had this idea coming out of the war, coming together, we must all be together, we must all be unified. And of course, there was much unity in general, but he took it to like another step, helping families, helping soldiers. And the amount of of things that came his way is mind-boggling. He literally comes to someone in the hospital recuperating, this girl recuperating in the hospital. He asks her, he's asked many people, what do you want? What can I get for you? How can I help you? And apparently, funds are not an issue. They have apparently have unlimited money and they should be zochat to always have unlimited money to help people the other day he went to a guy who was injured fighting in Gaza he says what can I get for you what can I do for you and the guy says I'd like a sandstone styled Gibson guitar he says no problem he goes to Kli Nasher or Kli Zemer in Israel which I think is a beautiful name by the way Kli Zemer a vessel of song beautiful much cooler name than Guitar Center or Sam Ash just so you know 
in Israel, everything in Hebrew has much more beautiful connotations and meanings. He goes to Klee Zemmer and he asks the guy, so I need to get a, a sandstone or whatever Gibson guitar. Where is it? How much is it? He shows him and it's 70,000 shekel. That's like $4,600. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of guitars. I myself have the, the best guitar in the world, in my opinion. I myself have the Martin, a family member saved up a lot to get it for me, for us, but that's even more than mine, you know, $4,600, 70000 shekel, no problem, Shai buys it and gives it to the guy, the guy is very emotional when he gets it. Beautiful organization, somehow, but Derek Shadim wrote to Lelach, Shai had this idea, Rabbi Shai had this idea, Hashem leads him, he goes to this girl today and he asks her, what can I do for you, how can I help you? And she says, my dad is in Kolel. He hasn't been able to get a stipend regularly. You know, everyone's out to the war. No one's in the stores. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's involved in the effort if they're not a soldier fighting. You know, he gets like $2,000 a month and he missed a lot of payments and he needs a lot of payments. I know I can't ask you, but really like 24, like uh, a couple of grand he needs. The video shows him calling the dad, the Kolo dad, with the girl in recuperation, rehabilitation. He says, Avrech, you know, I'm going to take care of you $24,000. We're going to wire it to you. I can't give it to you right now, but in two hours, check. We're going to get it to you. $24,000. How do they have so much money? Mind-boggling. Beautiful. Wonderful. Because when you want to go on a way... You want to go in an aspect. You want to follow a route. You want to go down a path, especially if it's for good, pure good, especially if it's for pure chesed and pure mitzvahs. One of the essential mitzvahs of the Torah, the foundation, this cornerstone that Hillel talks about. The rest is commentary. This is the main thing. Hashem will get it. Hashem will do it for you. You will get it. But Derech Sha'adam Rotzelelech, the Gemara teaches us, you can prove it from Torah, you can prove it from Navi, you can prove it from Ksuvim, you can prove it from literally modern days, December 2023. You can prove it right now. Hashem will get you there. You just have to do it in the right way. You have to go down the right path with Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed. We also need to learn from all people. We need to learn from all creatures that diligence is good in all areas. When used in upright manners, and this trait can help of fight off laziness or procrastination. Persistence can help in life, even if done in small ways daily. Set 15 minutes a day to listen to a quick Torah tidbit. Set 10 minutes aside in the beginning of the day to read some Torah daily emails. I literally do that. You know, Blinetta, we try to say something to him every day. Blinetta, we try to go... We, meaning me, I try to read these Torah emails. The OU sends out these emails, these beautiful emails that literally take about two to three minutes per email. If it's a faster one, it takes a half a minute to a minute. You get the Steinmicker email where you, you get the summarized Aliyah from Rabbi, from Rabbi Jack. I am blanking on his name, which is crazy because I read his name every day. But they do wonderful things. You get the Steinmicker email. You get the Nachyomi email. It's a, uh, it's something every day. It's a beautiful thing. And it literally infuses Torah into the day. It brings Torah into the day. And it doesn't take a long time. You just have to set yourself, remind yourself there's a way to start your day. There's a halacha yomis every day. And it's a quick question and a quick answer. And it's really a simple way to bring infusion to the day of Torah. There's a Rambam Halacha for the day also. It's written by Rabbi Jack, Abra- Rabbi Jack Abramowitz. Really beautiful from OU Torah. You could go to their website. You could sign up. 
There's also the Mishnah Yomis, two paragraphs. There's the Taryag, a mitzvah per day. I told you the Mishnah Yomi, Nach Yomi. Nach Yomi, it's two and a half years, and then we start again. Really cool. You just set aside 10 minutes, and you get some Torah infused into your day. I'm not asking you to learn 20 hours at a 24-hour day. I'm saying 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 15 minutes. Start off the day before your very hecticness kicks in. It's a similar, simple way to be persevering with Torah, to be persistent in Torah, because after 120 years, there are four questions Hashem asks you. One of them, obviously, is, what was your name? If you say your Pasuk every day, by the way, it's a way, a cheat sheet way to not forget your name after 120 years. Because the Pasuk starts and ends with the beginning and last letter of the Hebrew name. So you say that, and that's one of the questions Hashem asks you, and it would be mortifying, obviously there's no body after 120 years, but it would be mortifying to be in front of all these people, the heavenly court, and Hashem himself, and not know your name. But one of the major questions Hashem asks you, did you try to have children? Did you wait for Mashiach? Did you do your business dealings honestly? And, asat um something like that. I don't say the verbiage well. Ask my wife, she's better at Hebrew. But he asks, did you set aside, did you make permanence Torah every day where you're persistent and stubborn to learn Torah every day? He doesn't ask you, did you learn seven hours a day? He doesn't ask you, did you learn 20 hours a day or a week? He doesn't even ask you if you learn an hour a day. He asks you, did you set aside a permanent time every day to learn Torah? Again, not the quantity, but the effect that you put quality to your life to set aside time, persistent, consistent, every single day. Did you learn a little Torah? Did you make sure every day to learn a little something? Now, if you're a teacher of Judaics like my wife, you get off easy because you teach the Torah. You're involved in Torah every day. But the rest of us, we have to find a way to put it into the day. You have to infuse your day. Five minutes, ten minutes, start off the day. I'm on the train anyway. A good five, ten minutes. Say a little tell him and also read the Torah emails. Persistence, stubbornness in your day to make sure to have it in your day is a wonderful way. Transform stubbornness into the friendly brother of diligence and persistence to make sure to accomplish great things consistently and continually through Torah and mitzvahs. The best way to use stubbornness is the learning of Torah and the doing of mitzvahs persistently every single day, even with challenges or others fighting against you, trying to dissuade you. As Hanukkah comes to us in a few days, in literally just a few days, so exciting! Think about how to take this trait we see in the Maccabim, we see in the Maccabees, we see in the Chashmonaim. 300 stood up against thousands, the family of five or so brothers and dad, you know, the the Matasyahu and his sons, all these people who stood up to do greatness. Think about how people might have a lot of pomp and stance and a lot of craziness to their holidays, but our holiday is truly meaningful, truly valuable. I literally list, I implore you to listen to the Sheer, hopefully in the next few weeks. I listen to it every year, Blinetter. I try to listen to the Sheer by Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman. The real story of Xmas, the real meaning of Xmas. Fantastic Sheer. He goes through you know, the history and the quote-unquote meaning behind Xmas. There is no meaning. It's really a hodgepodge of many pagan things put together, which has no religious significance because Yeshua was not even born in December. I'm not going to give away the whole shear, but someone literally mentioned it to me. Herself, a Christian in school, who knows that he's not even born here, but whatever, not here, not now. But our holiday, our beautiful, beautiful Chag, which is coming, the Festival of Lights, has beautiful colors infused with it. I literally said to my wife the other day, you know what I never realized? 
you know, I'm 35 now. For 35 years going through Hanukkah, I never realized the fundamental aspect of the colors of Hanukkah. Not only are there beautiful colors, pure colors, wonderful colors, blue and white, how interesting is the signification that the modern state of Israel chose those colors for their flag? There must be a reason. There must be a connection. There must be a thing. Even if you Google, by the way, the colors of Hanukkah, it comes up. Even the non-Jews, even the secular society knows the colors of Judaism, the colors of Hanukkah, the colors of the flag are white and blue. Beautiful, much nicer colors than green or red, by the way, in my opinion. Beautiful, pristine colors. It has such royalness to it, such wonderfulness to it. And if anyone asks you at work or in the in the stream of line, take the take the prayer alanisim. You know, take the aspects of sickness. Look at what the holiday. How you could explain it to them? It's it's it seems difficult, but ask them to explain their holiday to you. They can't explain it because it doesn't have any significance. It's just a hodgepodge of narishkeit nonsense. But ours. It's beautiful. Hours and meaningful. Be stubborn. Be insistent. Explain the holiday to them. Explain the meaning to them. Wow, you guys still celebrate something that happened 2,000 years ago? Yes. We celebrate a lot of things that happened more than 2,000 years ago. We celebrate wonderful things, beautiful things. As we come to this holiday, and God willing, again next week, we're going to do a second lecture, a second shir on Hanukkah, because I love Hanukkah so much. I make two shirim about it, about flames and games and saneness. It's a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing, and we should play the dreidel with our kids and with others and get the guilt and get the, the Hanukkah guilt and if you have a better explanation let me know presents and gifts and whatnot, because we love to give Hashem gave us the, the rededication of the temple Hashem gave us another 200 years Hashem gave us the presence of the oil so we give presents to our kids that's what you could explain to people the oil lasts in the 8 days so all our foods are oily and delicious sufganiyot and latkes and whatever else that people make and it's a wonderful holiday full of light full of wonderness and Bring in the music and bring in the dancing and make sure that you uplift it and, and take it by the reins because it's faster gone than it comes in. It takes 365 days to wait for the next Hanukkah, but it goes so fast, so fast. My wife will always say that it's a hard holiday for her because she has to plan for it. She has to do programming. I personally love Hanukkah. You don't have to make a Pesach. You don't have to clean the house. You don't have to stay up all night or eat dairy. You don't have to build a sukkah. You don't have to shake the four species. I love it. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's a wonderful holiday, beautiful holiday, and we should all be zocha to be persistent, like the Hanukkah flames, like the Hashmanayim, to be persistent in our life, to do good, to bring good to the world, to be involved in Torah, mitzvahs, and chesed, that finally we could be zocha, that next year we don't have to light in our homes, but we could be zocha to light the actual menorah in the base of Migdash. We should be zocha that Mashiach comes speedily in our days with the coming of the third base of Migdash, and Eliyahu announcing everyone and only peace and good things in this world speedily in our days, and may that in day, in fact, be today. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep, and I'm your host, Tani.